Good morning. Glad you're here. We're going to continue on in our sermon series titled Intentional. The word intentional brings back a very vivid memory. Before I go ahead and say that, I oftentimes when I preach about outreach and evangelism get very excited. That leads me to speak really fast. So I'm going to sit down and hopefully I stay here because I can talk really fast. And so I'm going to hold on, okay, because I get really excited when we talk about the outreach and being intentional through the church. When I think of the word intentional, it brings back a very vivid memory for myself. Actually, 17 years ago, I was getting ready to get married to my now wife, Dana. Her dad, who is now a retired pastor, but about three months before we got married, he came up to me and he said, Matt, I need to talk to you. And he pointed and he looked over his glasses. That means he means business. And he grabbed me by my arm and he squeezed it really tight. And he says, listen to me. He said, but I'm asking you, don't you intentionally hurt my daughter? You got it, man? Yes, sir, I got it. When we think of the word intentional, wrapped up in the word intentional is the word deliberate or with intent. The basics of being intentional, in essence, is having a plan. Whether to do something or not to do something. The essence is having a plan, and not only that, but executing that plan. You see, the mission that you and I were created for, the mission that King Jesus died for, is a mission that we have been resourced to accomplish, and it is one that is incredibly important. And it's not something that we take lightly, it's something that we need to be intentional, deliberate, and with purpose. Last week, Pastor Brian, I know that you know this, preached an incredible message to kick off our sermon series entitled Intentional. Specifically, we looked at being intentional in our home with the gospel. But there are some key statements I think that were really important that I think I need to share with you so that we can continue on in our sermon series and take a look at how we can be intentional in the church. So Brian said this last week, maybe our greatest fear should not be that we would fail with our kids according to our culture's standards, but that we or they would succeed only in areas of life that ultimately don't matter. He went on to say this, we are intentional about every aspect of our family except for the things that matter most. That has been a sobering reality in my family this week. To realize, Matt, are you really intentional about the main thing that matters the most? You see, it's important that we take a look at our church and ask the question, is my church intentional about the gospel? But in order to answer an affirmative to that statement, we first have to ask the question, am I intentional about the gospel? Because if we are not intentional with the gospel, then it's going to be very difficult for our church to be intentional with the gospel. And matter of fact, it's probably going to be quite impossible. I, I remember Matt Hahn, who preached here a couple of weeks ago. Matt Hahn's family moved to Mebane, North Carolina. And I was moved them over to Mebane. And I called them about a week after they had moved, about a year ago, a year after they had moved. And I called Bonnie and I said, How's, how are things going? They said, Matt, you would not believe what just took place. And I said, what? She said, we had to get our cable hooked up. And so the man came to hook up the cable. And before he left, he shared Jesus with us and he invited us to his church. I said, that's awesome. That's intentional. 
She says, yeah, but you gotta hear this. We then had a guy come out to talk to us about our yard because I wanted to do a soil study about cutting the grass that I have to have. Why he did that, I don't know, okay? I'm just telling the story. So he said, we wanted to do a soil study for the grass that we've gotta cut. And he said, the man came out, he did all the studies, and then at the end of the day, he asked me if I knew Jesus. Then he said, hey, I would like to invite you to my church. Two days later, the next door neighbor came over with an apple pie, because that's what you do in the South, right? And they came over and they said, we just want to welcome you to the neighborhood, and we want to invite you to our church. You know what the key component of that story is? That all of those people were from the same church. I pray that Northwest Community Church would have that influence in our city because of and for the gospel. That when these people are all over the city and they go banking and they go to the grocery store, that man, our people, our people, our church would be so intentional about the gospel that our church would be blessed because of our individual commitment to the gospel. Brian also said there are three statements, really what if statements, that sort of guide our sermon series titled Intentional. And they are this. The first statement is if we believe that every person on this planet is born separated from God because of sin, but was created to have a relationship with him, and if we believe that the gospel is truly radical and can change and transform lives and eternal destinies, if we believe that the reason God leaves us on this planet instead of immediately taking us where he is after we come into a relationship with him, is to influence others with the life-changing messages of the gospel. And if we believe these things, then my question this morning is, then what are you doing with it intentionally through the life of your church called Northwest Community Church? So the question I want to answer this morning is how do we, how do we live out intentionally here at Northwest Community Church? Now I'm going to answer that in just a few minutes. We're going to take a look at three texts. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And we're also going to take a look at Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, only the first four words. What I hope to do is to paint you a picture of what Jesus said or did and then come away with the point with, now what do we do with it? But first and foremost, I want to be very clear. I love Northwest Community Church. I love coming here. I love being here. I love being a pastor here. I love you. I've enjoyed my seven months here as a staff member. I love this church. And I've become very, very aware of something. Because I am a pastor here, I know something very important. I'm a pastor here and I come here and I walk through those doors. And what I know is that we're not a perfect church because I'm here. And I just want us to get that out of the way. We are not perfect in any way, shape, and form. I know that we're not perfect because I'm here. And I know that we're not perfect because you're here. Amen? Okay. So let's just get that out of the way and say, hey, listen, we are imperfect. We are flawed. We are depraved. But yet we are forgiven and we are invited to be about the greatest message on the planet, and that is to celebrate and to talk about and to share Jesus with our city. So as we go ahead and take a look, let's just take a look at Matthew chapter 16, looking at 15 through 18. Here's what Jesus had to say about the church. 
And, and so my, my purpose here is to let's take a look at these texts, find out what Jesus had to say, and then let's put it together in application steps. First thing that Jesus had to say is found in Matthew 16, 15 through 18. Jesus promised to build his church. I'll say it again. Jesus promised to build his church. That brings great, great freedom to me as a pastor, as a staff member, and as a follower of Jesus, that he said that he would do something, and I know that I can't, but he can. Take a look at verse 15. Jesus was talking to Peter and asked him a question. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And verse 17, and Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18 is the key. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, which means his confession, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. Jesus made a very clear statement in this text that nothing would stand in the way and nothing would hinder his ultimate plan of using his church to proclaim the message of the gospel. In essence, Jesus is saying in that statement that I'm gonna use the church, the church is going to be the vehicle by which I accomplish my plan. In Matthew 16, 18, if you take a look at that verse one more time, you can see that it's, a very bold statement. He starts off with, I will. It's not like, I hope to, I want to, or I might. It's, I will. It's absolute. It is foundational to why we gather here today and the reason we are here today. Because of that statement, I will. He goes on to say, I will do what? What is he going to do? He says, I'm going to build my church. It doesn't say, I'm going to go build a building. I'm going to go build a little something off to the side. I'm not going to build a shed. I'm not going to build a playhouse. He says this, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mark Driscoll said this about this statement. This is what he said. Just imagine a 31-year-old unemployed homeless guy who is single, who grew up in a rural town, saying this with all authority to 12 guys. How many of you would snicker, laugh, make fun of him, and immediately send something out on Twitter, met the craziest guy on earth? That is a radical, radical statement. But let's just take a look at this. Jesus said this more than 2,000 years ago. And on August 11th, 2013, Northwest Community Church sits in this place because Jesus answered his promise. Aren't you grateful for that? I am. I'm grateful that after this service, we're gonna go outside and see 17 to 20 people stand up before our church and say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I'm a follower of him, and get baptized. Jesus right here made a statement, and Northwest Community Church is one example of an answered promise. And so why did Jesus make this statement? He made this statement clearly because he had a plan, and he was intentional about that plan. So more than 2,000 years ago, he made a statement, but not only do we gather here today, a few billion people on earth today and around the world worship him, claim to worship him as Lord, God, King, and Savior. The most famous person on the world who's ever lived made a statement, and we can celebrate that by gathering here each and every day. Jesus makes a promise, and he keeps his promise, and I hope you are encouraged by that. Not only that, but if you're a guy in here and you're married, I can guarantee you that you've made promises you did not keep, amen? I made a promise to my wife. Here's the promise I made to my wife. 
I said, baby, I know we, we've got four kids. They're small. I know here's the deal I'm going to do. I am going to promise to you that I'm going to take care of the upstairs bathrooms. I am going to be responsible for cleaning the upstairs bathrooms. That's my job. You take care of the downstairs ones. I'll take care of the upstairs ones. I got this. I can tell you that I have failed miserably in that promise. We look at the church today. We see churches all over the place that are standing up and teaching Jesus all day long. And we realize that it's a celebration of the promise that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not only did Jesus say he would build his church, guys, he said that he would empower his church. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm overwhelmed with that statement. Jesus made a statement, I'm gonna build my church. The logical question that we follow with when he makes a statement like that is, how in the world are you going to do that? And he says, I've got it all under control. He said in, in Acts chapter eight, he says, but you will receive power. You see, he gathered 120 of the early disciples, the early church, we'd call them the early church. He gathered them together. He said, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay right here. And it was right there that he sent the Holy Spirit on them after he had resurrected and appeared before them. He said, don't move, don't leave. I want you, I want you to be the agents of change through my plan, through my intentional plan of reaching the world with the gospel. And what I'm going to do is to establish the church age and right here, this is where it starts. So I'm going to build it. The way I'm going to do that is I'm going to empower you, an imperfect person, to do something radical and supernatural that you can be blown away with. The word power is the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. So it's not talking about just little types of power. It's talking about explosive power. So when some people come and say, well, Matt, I don't really know how to share my faith or I don't know what to say or what to do. We're talking about a God who has resourced you to do everything he's asked you to do. Not only that, he has resourced our church to do everything he's commanded us to do. One writer says this, the Holy Spirit makes witnesses out of weaklings. The Holy Spirit makes witnesses out of weaklings. I want to talk to you about a friend of mine. I call him Chick-fil-A Tim. Let me tell you, August 15th will be one year that Tim sat down with me in Chick-fil-A and he gave his life to Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit of the story prior to August the 15th last year. I received a phone call from his wife, a distraught phone call from his wife, three years ago, before last August, so four years ago now. She was distraught with the spiritual commitment of her husband. And my wife went over to her house and we prayed. And this is what we prayed. We prayed, Lord Jesus, we're asking you right here and right now to grab a hold of Tim's heart and to save him. And not only that, would you change this family for the cause of the gospel? August the 15th, I get a phone call from Tim. And we meet at Chick-fil-A because God does things at Chick-fil-A, amen? And we sat down there at Chick-fil-A. One year ago, this past, this coming Thursday, and his life changed. Why? Because Jesus made a promise, I'm gonna build my church 
and I'm gonna empower my people to do something radical and supernatural, and I'm gonna give you a front row seat to watch it. And Chick-fil-A Tim and his wife sit right down here on the front row to my right. Why? Because of the beautiful, beautiful gospel. And when we are intentional, church, about this, we get to tell stories about him. We get to tell stories about him. John Piper said this about a life filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit gives power to the church for worldwide witness. Don't miss what's coming next. People are indispensable in world missions, but people alone are useless in world missions. We must have power. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses without the power of the Spirit. We languish in fruitlessness. Jesus knew this and that's why he blessed us with this Holy Spirit. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church. What did Jesus do? He empowered his church with the Holy Spirit. And not only that, he, he defined the mission for the church based on Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Matthew 28, which is known as the Great Commission, says this, go and make disciples. That's the only part of the verse I really wanna focus on. But the Bible says, go and make disciples. Jesus told us what and how we are to measure our success, not by converts, but by disciples. So Northwest Community Church, we don't measure our success as a church based on people saying yes to Jesus. We measure our success as a church based on are they truly devoted followers of Jesus and are we doing everything we can to make that possible through the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of God, for his glory and our good. Jonathan Dodson said this about discipleship. He said, a disciple of Jesus then is someone who learns the gospel, relates in the gospel, and communicates the gospel. In essence, disciples are gospel-centered. It's very important that we do not measure our success by how many people we have coming to our church. Now, the book of Acts is filled with 120 and 3,000 and 5,000. The numbers are important. But metrics have their place. Here's a quote for you. Metrics have their place. But we must not allow numbers and metrics to rule our church or our thinking. Numbers don't guide us. The Holy Spirit does. Jesus made a clear statement. I'm going to build my church. He said, I'm going to empower my church. And not only that, he said, I'm going to define the mission of the church. And that's go and make disciples. And, and so what do we do with it? I mean, what, what does it look like in the youth group? And what does it look like in our church? And, and how do we go about accomplishing this great task? And I think the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. I want to challenge you to join a life group. I believe that the intentional outreach of our church and being intentional with the gospel flows out of small groups, not the big gathering. It's great that we can talk about it in this setting. And it's important for us to talk about it in this setting. And it's important to get excited about it. But it is most logically fleshed out, most theologically fleshed out, in the group of a small group. We call them life groups here at Northwest Community Church. My prayer is that we would not be a church with life groups, that we would be a church of life groups. A couple of years ago, we were living in Apex. I was the minister of evangelism at a church, and I was trying to find out different ways to reach our city with the gospel. My wife had come home, and she said, we had just had our first baby, and this is what she said. I really feel led, Matt, to do a Bible study for unchurched ladies in the neighborhood who have just had a baby. 
I'm like, that's a great idea. So here's what she did. She intentionally did an invitation. She intentionally went to each of those ladies and gave it to them. She intentionally chose a study and intentionally invited them to the house. And I want to let you know something today. I have never seen more fruit in the gospel than what happened in that Bible study. And that was more than nine years ago that that took place. Lives were changed. I, I was with my son, a three-month-old son. I was in my bedroom and they're out there and these ladies are just crying and they're getting right with Jesus and they're getting plugged into a church. And, and what happened? What happened? Well, when you realize that Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church, and when we recognize that he's gonna fill us with this Holy Spirit, and we realize that he gave us and defined for us the mission, and you couple that with an intentional strategy, you better hold on. You better hold on for what God can and will do through the life of our church. When we take what Jesus said, when we take what Jesus, how when Jesus empowered and how he defined, man, great things can take place when we are intentional about this. I wanna encourage you to get involved in a life group if you're not. They kick off September the 8th. That's the week they kick off. You can see all of our life groups online. We are intentional about life groups. We are intentional about discipleship and it is fleshed out through our life groups. We believe that Jesus building Northwest Community Church and Jesus empowering Northwest Community Church and Jesus defining the mission for us is really wrapped up, I believe, in how we gather together in our life groups. Another thing I would say to you is this, is get serious about church attendance. Just get serious about church attendance. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this, let us consider how to stir one another up with love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 basically say this, go to church, make it a priority, be intentional. There are a lot of things that we have. We have sports and we have this and we have, maybe we have beach homes and lake homes or whatever the case may be. But I wanna encourage you, in order for us as a church to be intentional, we must be intentional about our church attendance and make this a priority for us to be there, to hear things, to know what's going on, and to be walking beside our brothers. I, I know that it says there in, in, in the 24, it says, let us consider how to stir one another up with love. Many of you had your coffee this morning and you put sugar in, and if you didn't stir your coffee, then the, the sugar would go to the bottom and it would not fulfill its purpose. But if you put the sugar in and you stir it, it's everywhere and it achieves its purpose. And the Bible is teaching us right here to stir one another up with love and good deeds. And that happens when we take church as a priority and we make an intention to come. A third thing that I'd love for you to see is this. Third thing that I would love for you to see. Serve in places where you can consistently share the gospel See, here's what we're asking about. We don't want to be just committed to things that really don't matter. We want to be intentional about things that really matter. That, that's really the thrust and the big idea of our, our series here. And one way that you can do that is put yourself in areas, in places, whereby you can consistently share the beautiful message, message of Jesus. So I invite you, encourage you, to, and challenge you. I, I mean, what I love about coming to this church is I love that I'm gonna drop my kids off into the children's area. 
And they're gonna be sitting down with people who have prayed over a lesson, prepared a lesson, and they're going to teach them a lesson that centers around the gospel. See, in our children's ministry, we have literature called the Gospel Project. Every single lesson comes back to the gospel. It all points to Jesus. And so what we wanna do in children's ministry is we wanna point your kids to Jesus. And I love that when I get to drop my kids off in children's ministry, that they're going to hear the same message that I say to them just from someone different. And I love that about our church. And not only that, we're doing two services. So we're gonna have an opportunity, not only this, for the kids to hear it twice, but we're also gonna have the opportunity to raise you up to be intentional with the gospel as you partner with us to make disciples specifically in the children's ministry. And yes, that is an invitation. Not an invitation out of guilt, but an invitation out of vision to raise disciples, to be intentional with the gospel, and we'd love to invite you to be a part of that process. The youth ministry is the same. You have a captive audience with the youth. And every single week and every single day, we can put the gospel before them. We can know it. We can practice it. We can model it before them. And that's what we can do as well. I want to say this. As I wrap up and close here before we go to our baptism, my good friends Chris and Ashley Ferguson have been through a little bit of a a, a rough road. But I have enjoyed seeing Chris and Ashley fight for their calling and for the cause of Jesus. You see, Chris graduated from seminary. Chris graduated from seminary and he interviewed at two different churches and did not get the position. And it's been beautiful for me to see how they've responded from getting a no from these two churches. His wife Ashley is in my opinion, a great blogger, a great writer. And I think to summarize what we are all about is being intentional with the gospel through our church that Ashley said it the best. And so I read what she wrote this week about their experience of getting to know from this church. We have to be careful not to allow ourselves to wait for a position for Chris or a ministry, quote, for our family before serving the Lord. We already have positions. We already have a ministry. We are to be serving and ministering as his followers where we are. Chris and I love our church and we love our city. God is not finished with us here. We are excited about the work God has called us to and carry and we are finding joy in putting our hands to the plow in the community. We know that we are not ready for what's next without being content in what is now. I can't pray that God will send us out into the harvest without recognizing he already has us in it. May we not mistake a rejection letter for God's rejection. He has already commissioned us to do the work and he has called us to where we are he has called you where you are. We are divinely called. Let us be found faithful in the small things while expecting God to do big things because it's all for his glory anyway. And I say amen to that. I just wanna encourage you as we take a look. Last week, we again challenged you to live the gospel before your family, to know it, to share it, and to model it. And this week as we take a look, it is incredibly important that we recognize and that we realize 
that the intentionality of our church with the gospel is largely dependent upon the intentionality of her members. Did you get that? The intentionality of the gospel of the church is largely dependent in the intentionality of her members. So collectively, let us be known. Let us be known for a church that stands intentionally with the beautiful message of the gospel and not be afraid to engage people. But that only happens collectively when it happens individually. Let us not be intentional about the things that don't matter. Let us live with intention the gospel out of this church for the glory of God and your good. And I love being one of the pastors here at this church. And I love what God is going to do. And I love that we get to celebrate in just a few short minutes of 17 to 20 kids, 20 people that have said, I am a follower of Jesus and I'm not ashamed to do it. I love you, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here in this place. I thank you for this church and I thank you for the mission of this church is to reach and teach and preach the gospel. I pray that we would never ever get over the gospel, that we would just get deeper into it. We thank you, Lord, for our church, that we have been resourced, that we've been given power, that, man, we've been given everything we need to do what you've asked us to do. Thank you, God, for promising to build your church, and thank you for empowering your church, and thank you for defining the mission of the church. And now, Lord, help us to get on and get after it. We love you and we thank you, in Jesus' name.